0: You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome to The Joe Martino Show. I am Joe Martino and I am your host, uh, today, I want to talk to you about a bunch of fun things. First of all, I want to give you the promised insurance discussion. If you live in West Michigan and you wonder why your therapist of choice can't take your insurance, I'm going to answer that question today. That is true most for most the therapists. Also, I want to talk about relationships, right? Well, that's one of the things I like to talk about. You may have heard there was a little wedding in a little island uh, in the Atlantic Ocean called England recently between... Shh! Don't tell anybody. An American girl and a prince of England. The revolution is now complete. As will I am once sang, we truly are one tribe, y'all. So my wife and I were talking about the wedding uh, in England, and one of my friends put up a post about how he was going to watch the wedding, but it was his day to stare at a wall or something like that. Another one of my friends, cra- my friends cracked a joke. But if you were on Facebook at all, it was inundated with pictures, with statements, with what's your royal name, take the first day of your birth, the street you grew up on, and blah, blah, blah. And all of these things running surrounding this wedding. And for at least a few brief moments, our society became obsessed with this wedding. And Here's the question I want to ask, why? Why did our society become obsessed with the wedding? My wife said to me, I'm always amazed at how invested people get in a love story. And I feel like that's pretty good insight. Like, part of what brought everyone around this wedding, what brought everyone's attention to this wedding, what brought everyone's focus to this wedding, was the idea that here's a love story. There's a little bit of everything in it. It's got a love story between royalty, right? There's a prince. And despite our modern society's desire to make some sort of false bifurcation, between a princess and a strong woman. Here's a strong woman who's also now a princess. It's a love story straight out of a a storybook. Here's two people that met, there's these improbable circumstances, they meet, they get married. I mean, people are even talking about how, I saw somebody was talking about how her makeup was done, the whole nine yards. Why? I would suggest to you because we are made for love. We were created, we were born, to search for love, to seek love, to seek a love story, to want to be a part of a love story. I think that wanting to be a part of a love story is written in our hearts. That's why people get married. And then it gets hard. And people fail to make their own marriage a love story because it's hard. So here's just this little thought. If you want to have a Meghan Markle and whichever prince she married, it's not Charles, that's the dad, I don't know. If my daughter were here, she could tell me, or I could use Google, but I'm not going to. You'd hear me typing. If you want to have a love story, you've got to work at your marriage. Love requires work. You will endure pain. You will endure hurt. The person you love will hurt you. They've been married a couple days now, as of this recording. I'm going to assume they've had a fight or two. That's how it goes. And if you're getting married, thinking that you're going to change the other person, that's not a love story. That's manipulation. Now, for decades, scientists have known that marriage has physical benefits. Married men live longer, significantly longer than single men. Married women live longer than than single women. Married people have better cardiovascular health on average. Married people have better systematic, systemic health on average. Now we all die, nobody's getting out of this thing called life alive, but marriage has benefits. Love has benefits. When you hug someone you care about, Your body gives you this wonderful drug called oxytocin. Some people have called it the cuddle drug. Some people have suggested that we should crush it up and snort it like cocaine. We should just dispense it to society, that it would make people happier. What happens when we commit to love someone is we learn about ourselves. We learn about parts of ourselves that we may not want to look at. For instance, one of the greatest things that marriage taught me was how selfish I am certainly being a father, how selfish I am. And, and I've had to be on the lookout for that and overcome that and, and purposely work against that. And in a society that is increasingly advocating for better selfishness, more selfishness, falling in love goes directly against that. It says, no, 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 no. Life isn't just about me. Which brings me to my second thing. Life has deeper meaning. We find meaning when we find love. Now, not just romantic love. Certainly our parents should blueprint us for how we look at life as an adult, and that's through love. Close friendships will will shape how we view life. Take a paper and pen and draw two circles that overlap. In the left circle, write attachment. In the right circle, write existentialism. Let's talk about those terms for a minute. Attachment What I believe, everything that goes into this circle, is how you feel loved. How you feel that people love you. What is it that you need to do for people to love you? What do other people need to do for you to love them? How does it work for you to experience love? In the existential circle, those are questions of meaning. What is it that drives my meaning? Why do I have worth? Why do I have value? We have a failed self-esteem movement in America because we falsely believe that just telling kids You did great, regardless of the effort they put in, actually worked. And we now know that that's actually false. That the idea of getting an award just for showing up actually has negative consequences, not positive consequences, because it goes exactly directly against true good principles of existentialism, of of, of principles of finding meaning. Now, the middle area, if you drew the two circles, the middle area is you. Where your attachment intersects your meaning, that's where you spend the majority of your life. Right now, it's a little silly to say we can sum up a person in two circles. So this isn't 100%. It's not a a hard science. But I found that it is a good illustrative tool for people to understand how attachment and how meaning intersect to create their world. Now, I want to be really clear on this. I'm not suggesting that... If you're not married, if you're not in a relationship, you don't have existentialism and attachment. But you should have relationships around you. You should be in relationships with other people that are meaningful and significant. What we call community today, the cute buzzword. Are you in community? Uh, What that does is that goes in that attachment circle and it helps you understand that existential circle. And that existential circle helps you better understand that attachment circle. They run together as though their hands were glued together running through a field. It's very important that you consider your issues of meaning with your issues of attachment. They go together, right? That's what makes a love story. Now, at its most core component, you're gonna hear me say this a lot if you listen to these podcast episodes regularly. At its most basic component, a healthy couple is made up of two healthy people. So before you can take your two circles that are intersecting and move them into a relationship with someone else's two circles that are intersecting, you have to have two healthy circles of your own, especially where they intersect. In fact, the more healthy you are, the more they'll intersect. So let's talk about them out of balance for just a minute, right? If, if you are a person who your existential box is more comfortable for you than your attachment box, You're probably very avoidant in how you relate to relationships and how you interact with others. You'll tend to rely more on your ability to do things, more on your ability to be the smartest person in the room, the best organizer, the most good, attractive, the best looking, the smartest, the best musician, whatever it is. You'll rely on your physical skills. You'll tend to be good when doing's involved, but not so much when just being still is involved. Uh, I have a friend who's an excellent business person who's not very good on the attachment side, so she is great at the business side of doing, but tends to be much more uncomfortable when dealing with other people in a just friendly way and will often avoid those situations. Okay, so that's a person who emphasizes the existential box. For the people who emphasize the attachment box, these are the people that you know that never have a significant other, They're always running from one relationship to another. They're worried about relationships. Uh, If they're in a group of friends and some of the group goes and does something and they don't get invited, they're very offended, uh, they're very stressed, they're very troubled, they tend to constantly look to figure out where they fit in their social hierarchy, and that's how they draw their meaning. They start out in the attachment box and they go to their meaning in the existential box. For the people who focus on the existential box or circles, they start out with, what can I do? And that's how they get to attachment. And then both people put both of those together and that's how they come to their self-identity. So what does it look like to have two healthy circles? When a person has two healthy circles, they're going to have a few close friends, they're going to know that there are people that they can rely on. In fact, there was a research at the University of Pittsburgh who coined the phrase, the dependency paradox, which is, the more I know I can rely on someone to help me pick up the pieces if I make a mistake, the more likely I am to be willing to take chances. In other words, the more dependent you know you can be, the more likely you will be independent, right? So the person that has a healthy attachment circle, they're gonna have boundaries. They're not just going to be a booty call. They're not just going to be a date. They're not just going to hang out with people when it's convenient for them. They're going to have some expectations and boundaries that run together because they're going to inherently know from their existential box that they have value and worth. They're going to know things that they can do and not do. They're going to have a robust understanding of themselves, and know, okay, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. I could try, I might be able to do it okay, but I probably won't be very good at it, uh, or at least not till I get more practice. They're going to be okay with their flaws. They're going to be okay with their flaws. Our society is hell-bent on pretending like we're never going to die, and we have no flaws. Make your teeth super white, make your your waist super skinny, and make sure that there's no blemishes, which is fine. If you want to do all that, that's fine unless you're doing it to somehow create an artificial existential box that somehow now you're worth meaning, you're worth value, you have meaning, you have value, you're worth love, you have love because you do those things. That's backwards, it's inaccurate, and it doesn't work. Okay, so let's try to wrap this segment together. Not every segment's going to have something that you can take away and just walk away with and do something with it. Uh, and, And this is probably very close to one of those ones where it's not like that, but I do have I have some questions that I would love for you to Chew on. What is your social circle like? What is your friend circle like? Why do you believe you are worthy of love? Why do you believe you have value? I'd love for you to take some time and chew on those. What is your identity? How do you find your identity? What is it that you're chasing? Are you chasing meaning through things you can do, through, through things, talents that you have, existential things? Or are you chasing meaning through attachment, through relationships? Or are you finding a balance? What are you afraid of as far as failure? That'll tell you a lot about how you view your existential circle. Are you repeating the same mistakes in relationships? And I especially want to talk to single people here for a minute. Are you? I know a girl that dates the same guy every time, he just has different names. Are you making the same mistakes, dating the same person over and over again? Are you allowing someone else to treat you like a second class person? Now here's the thing, a lot of times I hear people say, well, well, you know, he sends me mixed signals, she sends me mixed signals, you're 100% control in control of your life. If somebody's sending you mixed signals, it's okay for you to demand that they send you unmixed signals point out the mixed signals and say, we've got to fix this. And if they don't fix it, move on. If you're married, I think there's a little bit more complication there. I personally think that we should always strive to make the marriage work. But what are you chasing? How are you chasing meaning? When you can answer those questions, you'll have a better understanding of how your meaning circle and how your attachment circle intersects to create your self-view, your self-identity. All right, let's make a switch here to a little West Michigan problem. Dealing with insurance. Recently, I was able to hire three new therapists. Our offices are growing. If you need therapy services in the West Michigan area, we do have offices in Granville, Grand Rapids, and Lowell. Uh, And so we needed to hire some more staff. So we hired three therapists. And if you have a certain insurance in our area, they won't be able to take you. In fact, if you call up and you say, hey, I would like to see so-and-so, and I have this type of insurance... I won't say what it is, but it involves pH levels. Uh, Some of you will get that in a week. Some of you got that right now, and some of you will never get it. That's okay. Uh, Right, I have this insurance, and I want to see so-and-so. We only have two therapists in our network that can see people with that insurance. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. That's not because we haven't tried to get in with that insurance. We've tried numerous times to get in with that insurance company. But we're unable to do that because they're not taking new therapists, unless you work for a certain company that many people believe is either owned by the insurance company or owns the insurance company. Uh, That's another day probably. But the reality is we're talking about people who have gone through schooling, they've gotten all their education, they've done all their intern hours, they are licensed by the state of Michigan to do mental health in the state of Michigan for its residents. And randomly, some insurance company says, oh, well, we just can't process all of your applications right now. We can't take you right now. Now, I wanna ask you a question. In any other medical field, would that fly? Would it fly in in in, in with general practice? Somebody goes to med school, they graduate from the great university of whatever their alma mater is, they pass their boards, they become a doctor, and their insurance company's like, oh, wait, nope, sorry we're not gonna cover your services right now because we just can't process the applications unless you work for just this one hospital. Does that remotely sound like what's best for the member or the client, the member would be the member of the insurance company, the client would be the client of the practice, right? Same person, different roles. I don't think that it does. And, and I think that it's time that people start contacting their insurance company and demanding better service. Right, I'm not really sure what the laws are right now and whether or not we have to have insurance. I know everybody's paying a lot for premiums. Everybody's paying a lot for insurance. And at least in this state, you're not getting services because your insurance company has randomly decided, nope, that person doesn't work for this person, this company, so we're not going to give them service. It's not based on outcomes. It's not based on education. It's not based on uh, the the... Effectiveness of the therapy—it's simply based on where they work. That just smacks of of incredulity to me. So if you live in Michigan, you can't get services, or you have to self-pay. And by the way, at our offices, we do offer uh, a discounted service for people who have to self-pay uh, if they pay the day of their services. Uh, we do offer uh, interns, which are fully educated. They're working on their clinical hours and supervised by fully licensed therapists uh, for a very reduced rate. We try to work with everyone, however we can. But the fact of the matter is, insurance companies are taking over the field. They, do you know that insurance companies dictate how much we can charge? Right. So if you have one insurance and you come for the same session, I pay. I charge to charge you X rate. If you come with another insurance for the same exact amount of time, the same exact type of therapy, the same exact interventions, we charge you Y rate. And a third company would be Z rate. Why? Because insurance companies say, this is what you have to pay or it's fraud. The thing that I don't understand is that insurance companies are taking over the business and nobody wants to step up. In fact, in our field, I know therapists who are afraid to say anything because they're afraid that the insurance company will get vindictive with them. I don't know that that's true that the insurance company would get vindictive. I tend to think, I, I want to think that it's just people who haven't really thought through how their choices affect the end user. But the, the truth is we have too many people who have insurance. They call up my office and they say, hey, I'd love to get in. We want to help them. They want to get help. And then we have to tell them, well, we can't take that insurance. So we tell our therapists. Blue Cross Blue Shield has been an insurance company that has been great to work with. They're not paying me for this advertisement. Uh, But we do encourage our clients to, if you want to see someone here, you don't want to self-pay, get Blue Cross Blue Shield. If your company offers it as one of your choices, pick it up. Get Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, They tend to be the best for their members to be able to become a client anywhere. So the next time you hear, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't take that insurance, just remember that may or may not be them. Now, there are therapists who don't take insurance because they don't know what... To be honest, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to get in in boarded with insurance companies. Or they haven't taken the time, or they don't want to give up the money, or they have their own reasons. But there are a lot of therapists who have tried to get in with insurance companies and just haven't been able to. Because those insurance companies, or that particular insurance company here locally, uh, it's green, says... No, we can't take you right now because our fool. And what's really frustrating is we actually were working with a client one time who saw us for a while, saw one of our therapists for a while uh, under Blue Cross Blue Shield. Her company decided to change their insurance from Blue Cross Blue Shield to, to a different one. They, they they took a different priority uh, of health, if you will. And uh, suddenly the insurance company, she obviously wasn't going to get services. And we told her, like, look, here's the thing. It's going to have to change either you can pay the cash rate you know the self-pay rate or your son can see a intern but but we can't take that insurance for this therapist Uh, we'd encourage you to reach out to your insurance company so she does she calls them up and, and the insurance company says to her well all they have to do is fill out an application The very clear and not so subtle implication there is that it is the counseling network's fault, the counseling agency's fault, that we can't insure your son through them, which is a blatant lie. So she comes back to us and she's like, well, why don't you fill out the application? And I'm like, well, we have filled out the application, but they won't take it because their boards are closed. So she goes back to them and the woman repeats, all she has to do is fill out the application. So finally we get on the phone with her and we're like, okay, so we agree that that's true, that in order to get bored with you, we have to have an application, but it's also true that you won't take the application because your boards are currently, your doors are currently closed to new providers. Is that right? Well, yes. Did you tell that to the member? Well, no. Do you see how that might be frustrating for us? And thankfully, we were able to explain it to the to the member and, and things worked out there. Uh, after a hiatus, she was able to switch her insurance back to what she wanted it to be and, you know, get in and get the services for her family that she felt was necessary. But it shouldn't be the decision of an insurance company as to whether or not you get services. So, I'm asking everybody, if if you've experienced this, call your insurance company up and complain. Switch if you can. I know not everyone can. But if you can, switch. Advocate for your right to get services. The system needs to change. I agree with that. I think it will change if the people rise up together and voice the complaints and the changes that they want. Okay, so I've been wanting to give that, talk about that for a while. Uh, thanks so much for listening today. If you want to connect with us online, I do have a webpage, joemartino.com. You can find us on Facebook. Lots of different options there. Facebook.com/forward/slash/joemartinocounseling is probably the easiest. If you are connected with our Creative Solutions office, which is part of the Joe Martino Counseling Network in Grand Rapids, that has its own Facebook page. Our Granville office has its own. Facebook page. If you have a question that you'd like me to address in a future episode, please write me. You can go to my webpage, joemartino.com, click the contact me page, fill that out. You can send an email to info at joe martino.com, I N F O at joe martino.com, and that will uh, come directly to our office. So make sure you put in the subject line question for the podcast or question for the show, something along those lines, so that if someone else sees it before me, they can make sure that I get it. All right, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to martino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.